0: Hi guys, this is Shirley, and welcome to my podcast, No Original Thoughts. Well, we're back guys. Thanks for sticking through (laughs) a one-week hiatus. So do you remember when in episode two, I said something along the lines of, I will never step foot again in that church. I remember. And I've been thinking about this a lot. But when I said that I would never step foot again in that church, like I really meant that. And then due to the unforeseen circumstances, I found myself in a position where it was like you have to choose one or the other. It's either you don't go, but that means you're not going to be there for a person that you love or be there for the person that you love and have to see all the people who have hurt you. And be in the same place where you were hurt. I think all of last week, I definitely was going through a lot of different emotions. Like I definitely felt grief, anger, Mm. sadness. um, But I also felt a lot of anxiety just gradually building up. And, you know, I was getting a lot of questions last week. Like, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Like, what did you decide? And it was a really hard choice for me to make. But I knew from the beginning what the choice was going to be. If it was for the sake of being there for someone I love, for a family that I love, like I will put aside all of these other emotions, everything else for those people because I love them and they love me. And yeah, I found us, we found ourselves in a difficult like situation because, you know, I think for me personally, um, I associate that place and that town and just everything surrounded there. Like I tie it to like, it's almost like, I don't want to say, I don't want to like, just like slap the word on it because this definitely means like, it holds a lot of weight. And, and I can say that because I truly like, I was diagnosed with PTSD and, um, for other things. So I still like, like, I I still have that. But I think part of this is like, does is is like actual, like, post traumatic stress disorder, maybe Mm -hmm. not as like, grave as, you know, what it is for other things for me. But being in that place, triggered so many emotions, we stayed for a part of the event as we, as we had like, decided together, and we said we were going to, you know, like, stand our ground. And, you know, it was a, It was a step of like, like courage, I think for me, and I've never really had to make such an uncomfortable decision like that, where it's like, Mm -hmm. two things. It's like, do I want to be hurt again? Do I want to be put in like, a place where I'm almost like, reliving what Mm -hmm. I lived through? I haven't stepped foot in there in about three years. And I really did not think that I would again. And um You know, like I said, unforeseen circumstances. So it was really hard, but I think I was just scared of being triggered back into this place of, I don't know, so much pain and seeing so many of the faces that I know have like caused pain to me and to you. Mm. So I think we had just a lot of different questions in mind and like, but like at the end, like we just kept telling ourselves like, it's not for them the cause of us going here is greater than the things that are holding me back. Mm -hmm. So, and to be quite honest, like walking out, I took, I'm sure a lot of people saw it because I did get a few texts after that. I haven't, Mm. (laughs) I haven't gone through some of them because I've just been, I guess still kind of overwhelmed. Truthfully, like when we left, as soon as I walked out of the building, I just started sobbing like something it was like somebody had just like dug like a knife into an unhealed wound it just hurt so much and I I don't know why it brings these like really hard emotions for me but it just did and you know we walked to our car and I'm like feeling all these different emotions and I just I I think what I felt was just like lament, like grief, like sadness, anger. I felt so many different things. And I just, everything just kind of felt like it gushed out and I didn't want it to. It just did. And I felt like I had no control over it.
1: Well, I knew that it was going to be at the very least uncomfortable to be back. Um, I knew we were going to have a lot of eyes on us, um, but... Um, I didn't find it difficult to choose to be there for 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 family, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the circumstances. I think, um, I think, like you said, it was it that was a much more important um, aspect of the situation mm-hmm. for us to be able to choose that um, over the discomfort that we might have felt. Um, I was I was a little bit anxious about about the whole situation um i think there's obviously disagreement about this podcast and um you know i don't i don't really know how what people think of me anymore really but um but i guess it was a it was a a risk that we had to take to um to be there for for a family member you know for a friend uh, i think that there was like a lot of people that um clearly were not happy that i was pro that we were probably there
0: yeah um we got some harsh hellos <laughs> yeah
1: we, we had some we had a few um yeah we had a few uncomfortable uncomfortable greetings um but they were all respectful they were all you know mutually respectful i, I can't say anything bad about um about most of the greetings that we received <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think, um, you know, even though it was uncomfortable, there was people there also that made us feel a bit more welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, definitely. You know, there was some people um, that we didn't expect, actually. Yeah. Even people we didn't expect, um, you know, nobody was telling us that we, that we lost our salvation or anything like that. You know, nobody was telling us that, uh, you know, the devil got to us. So that's, that was, that's great. Um, yeah i mean when i was while i was there i was definitely reminiscing about the you know the time invested um, the the years of sacrifice um for that place and really i you know i, I left wishing the best for that place still mm-hmm. yeah you know i i want to see that church flourish to it's you know it's most beautiful form that it can be on here on earth know us us telling our story we realize that like we we're you know putting people in an uncomfortable situation but Mm -hmm. i think we are in a very uncomfortable situation to um Mm -hmm. to you know put our vulnerabilities out there uh to put our transparency out there we we are definitely not not perfect in in our navigation of of things you know like um we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the wisdom. What we do have is just our stories and.
0: And I would also go as far to say, um, in the same way, I'm like seeing this in the same way as, you know, that tough decision that we had to make. Like, like we both knew what we had to do, but it was just like the, the like, internal struggle of like, man, this is going to be hard to do. And, but I want to do this because the cause is greater than Mm -hmm. what is putting me in pain, I guess. You know, Mm -hmm. the love for that person is greater. And so in that same way, I think the same sentiment goes for like the podcast. Like we're putting ourselves in this extremely vulnerable place. Like, you know, knowing that people will listen, people will judge, people will create their own opinions And um, that's just part of putting yourself out there. But as uncomfortable, and sometimes as, you know, like, I guess, uncomfortable or hurtful, it might be to get some of that negative feedback. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me, because the cause of the podcast is greater than that discomfort and that pain. And Mm. All of that. You know what I mean? It's for the greater, it's for a greater cause. And I think we've talked a lot about this, but you know, the love and the support I want to show other people that have gone through similar things or have been through or can relate to the pain in some way. Like for me, the that purpose is greater than all of the negative stuff that comes with it Mm. and sharing my story again is for the greater cause. It's so I can reach somebody like, like I wish somebody would have reached to me. So it's, it's definitely hard, but I mean, everything comes down to a choice and I could have, chosen to do something completely different with my hurt and my pain, you know? Um, But I chose to do this and some people may not understand it. They may not agree with it, but everybody has their own way of healing and coping with different things. And some people choose to flip it and use that as, you know, as like a good thing instead of Mm -hmm. just using it as like this negative thing, you know what I mean? So I've definitely had a lot on my mind. And um, one of the things I was thinking about, um, especially this this week, you know, like with all these emotions, like, what are the ways that we cope? Like, what are the ways that we Mm -hmm. try to cope or, or heal from the pain we're experiencing? And um, for me, it's been a very long journey. I think I've talked about this before, and I'm pretty open with it because, again, I want the awareness to be, to like awareness to this type of stuff, to reach other people who maybe have different thoughts. Um, for me personally, all of this began in my family and in my culture. Like, I think the Latino culture in general, and even the church culture in itself, like, you know, Christian culture, like, these two different things, they don't really believe in certain ways of healing or coping or getting or a certain, like, step of, like, of healing, they don't agree with the steps of healing or mm-hmm. or different coping things.
1: Yeah, um, I would say like the traditional church definitely falls into like right. more more traditional churches than modernized churches. I think more modernized churches right. realize like the importance of of uh, like other methods towards right. like mental stability and all. Yeah. That stuff, so but, what
0: I'm really trying to get to is like the mental health aspect. Like, how do mm-hmm. these things affect our emotional health, our physical health, and our mental health. I think all of these things are connected and they display physically, Mm. um, whether it's our actions or our bodies. Um, So when I say that the Latino community and then separate from that, the church community, like more like traditional based, There's kind of a negative connotation with doing therapy or taking medication or seeing a psychologist or, you know, Mm -hmm. doing these other methods, which are, I guess, like like,
1: secular, quote unquote,
0: or like Western type thinking, you know, like when I first um, was when I had gone back to school. I was given it no choice but to be put into counseling with somebody. Well, I was given a choice, but I was also like failing in school. And if you know me, Mm -hmm. I was never that type of kid. I graduated with a like 3.8 like GPA in high school. I was like in the top 10% and like all of that. And I was doing pretty well at first in college. But then when all of this hit me, like I just stopped going to class. I was sleeping all day. I was not eating or it was just overeating. Mm. And um, I just, I chose to distract myself with either work outside of school and by avoiding all my friends. Mm. So even my own roommates, Mm. Um, I would make every excuse to go home. And um, so I had to be put into a study hall And if you know me, (laughs) study hall does not work for me. It's like structured time. Sure. But like, I, knowing that I have to sit in this room for an X amount of hours each week, just to like, like that just didn't work for me. And, um, I was not doing well in school. So I was put into the study hall, but I also wasn't showing up anymore or I was just sleeping through the hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had nobody to talk to, but, um, my college, like advisor advised me, (laughs) Mm. which is great. They advised me to, um, to go to the counseling center in our school, um, which happens to be, I think they give like a certain amount of free sessions
1: Mm.
0: with people who are enrolled in the school before it like has to go like through payment or something. So, um, When I was advised to speak to the counselor, um, I did it hesitantly. I really didn't want to. I hadn't even mentioned to, I think at that point, anyone with all the stuff that I was struggling with. I had told um, my best friend and my sister knew a little bit of like, but I don't think anybody really knew the extent of what I was going through, Um, especially because I was away at school. like. Sure, I'm like 30, 40 minutes away from my parents' house while at college, but I have a dorm there, um, and we had to live like on campus as a part of the scholarship program that we had. Um, interestingly enough, I was on a full tuition scholarship, and um, a majority of my dorm was paid for with grants and scholarships, and I was in my third year, and I... I was in my junior year and I, I began like failing. Like mm-hmm. I began doing, like I did so poorly. And so it's like I had so much shame of asking for help academically mm-hmm. because hello, you're on a full tuition scholarship. You must have done something right to get into this school. You must have done this or that. And like having the reputation of being like a good kid in school from high school followed me too. But then it's like, I didn't know how to ask for help. Like I couldn't ask my parents. I was never going to tell my parents that I was failing at school because I had this pressure on me already of like, you have to do well in school because you were gifted this opportunity to go to school and you don't have to worry about tuition and stuff like that. And I do recognize that it's, it was a huge privilege. And and I, I'm very thankful for that. But I did go ahead and, like, I I kind of screwed it up because I, well, I think I hadn't, I was already, like, vulnerable because, you know, the per, a person that I had reached out for help to, like, rejected me in the most, like, you know, which ended up being, like, rejection from church, from f- friends, family, um, from you at some point, you know, mm. like, so... I'm in this place of like, who am I supposed to tell that I'm not doing well in school? But then how do I tell them why I'm not doing well in school? Mm. And how do I go on to explain every single thing that has happened to me? And why, I don't know why I can't explain that I'm like this. I can't explain why I can't get out of bed. I can't explain why I have zero appetite. I can't Mm. explain why I hate everything. I hate everyone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I've become so antisocial and nothing feels worth doing anymore. Hmm. Like, how do I explain that? Like, how do I explain that in class? I'm just like, this is all BS. Like, I don't yeah. want to be here. Like just all of these, like tough emotions, like it's just like an internal toil with all these emotions. And then like, so I couldn't tell, any like, I didn't, feel. I felt so ashamed to like, tell somebody at school, because I didn't even know where to start. I already had a bit felt rejected. I didn't know how. And, and the thing is, I went to a Christian college, a private Christian college. So, <laughs> so all of the classes have some sort of like, um, like Christian I forget what they would call it but they would be like it every every subject everything that we learn is through the perspective of a Christian lens almost um so already at this point I'm like tired sick and tired of hearing about church because of what had happened to me Mm -hmm. but I couldn't tell anybody and all of my friends were like like I guess pretty devoted and like pretty like I guess like um like they like checked off every box on the list for like what it meant to be a good Christian. Mm. And I was too ashamed to even ask them for help. I couldn't like my 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 roommate, you know, like I couldn't tell her anything. I she we slept in the same room. Like our bed was like maybe like a foot away from each other and and she was my Like, best friend, and I couldn't tell her anything. I was too, too ashamed. She'd ask me, Why am I crying? or Like, what's going on? And she meant so well, and I just pushed them away. I had one friend in particular who I was rooming with in my sophomore year of college, and I pushed her away too. Um, And I think I made a lot of excuses for it. I didn't want to confront it and this person was actually the first person who noticed something was wrong and she like sat with me in my in our dorm and she asked me like what's going on like you know like i think you need to you need to like ask for some help and that was the first time somebody had ever told me that and instead of like giving in and being like yes, I need help. It was like, no, like, how could you say that to me? I don't need help. I'm fine. I can do it by myself. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, you know, and I would just put on like the biggest smile and say, like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Okay. Like, It's just been a, like a rough day or something like that. Yeah. And and looking back, like, you know, then instead of, like, staying in a place where my friends, because we, we lived in a suite, so it was two people in one dorm and two people in the other dorm, and we all happened to be really, really great friends. Two of my best friends throughout college lived with me. We shared the same bathroom, and we would walk into each other's dorms all the time and spent so much time together, you know, but... In that moment after I was asked like like what's going on and like I think you need to seek help like I ran opposite direction I had already been thinking about moving for a long time I didn't eat the food at my college so I chose the perfect excuse I went to to my PCP and I asked for a letter of um (laughs) like like something about my food plan and that like I I had a restricted diet, so they had to move me into an apartment where I could cook and um, cut off my meal plan and all of that. And I used that to my advantage, and that was my main excuse for why I moved out that next semester. I only ended up staying with them the fall semester of my sophomore year. But my the second semester, so spring semester of sophomore year, um, I had gotten everything approved for me to move into a two-person apartment with um, someone else who had, like, dietary restrictions. And um, she was barely at school. Um, she had her own things going on. So I think for some time, too, there was, like, maybe, like, two months where she was just not there And so I found it very easy for myself to hide in my apartment all day. And yeah, I had my food there and like I had my little things like. I decorated it, I made it so that I could enjoy being in that space. But then my roommate, my old roommates couldn't come visit me because they needed a night, like the right card to get into the hall. And then I couldn't get into theirs and then our schedules were conflicting and then and then I just started using all of these things as an excuse to not to not allow my friends to see what was really going on in me, and I my health deteriorated so bad when I was in that apartment um, because I was alone. I mean, like I and I didn't I don't think I even acknowledged that like. Or even maybe had a single thought that maybe I was going through depression
1: mm.
0: or, you know, anything like that. For me, it was just like avoid, avoid, avoid for other people, like with when other people would ask me. But then even in myself, I, I just denied every emotion. I was just like, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine. And my friends would see me in passing and people who I was once so close to and people that saw right through me, I just put up like, a, like a smile and just to like hide the pain. And so going back to my junior year, when I was put into this counseling, um, I, I was um, told to take a leave of, well, no, I took a leave of absence because I knew, I knew that I couldn't keep up with school. At that point, it was like, mid midway into the semester maybe a little a little bit farther along in the fall semester of my junior year but that's when I just it was 2019 so that's when I was like like I knew like okay I'm going to lose my scholarship if I can't keep up with my grades and I don't want to disappoint my parents and I don't want to disappoint my my um scholarship cohort or my director or this or this or that so i'm gonna take a leave of absence and i'm gonna come right back in january and i'm gonna have all of this stuff going on inside fixed Mm. and i remember explaining to my parents i didn't even give them an explanation i just told them i'm coming home like just don't ask me about it like You know, and there was so many arguments and that because obviously my parents wanted to see me do well. And so much of the conversation was like, you're wasting this, like, huge opportunity. What if you never go back to school? Like, yeah, people say they're going to go back, but then they don't. And you have a full scholarship. Like, how stupid could you be? Or, like, Mm -hmm. this is, like, the dumbest mistake you're making of your life. But I, at that moment, like, I didn't know it, but I... But I was struggling with like an extreme depression at this point. So when I started seeing the counselor, once I decided to do the leave of absence, the first session like was definitely very awkward for me. <laughs> I didn't know even know where to start. And, um, and then by the second and third session, I just started spilling everything out. Like, not even in fine detail, just gave them a timeline. This is where everything went wrong.
1: Mm.
0: And this is... And I don't know why I am the way I am right now. Mm. And I don't know what to do. And I've disappointed my parents. And now I've disappointed my scholarship cohort and my director. And, like, like, if you know the story of how I got into that school and I got the full scholarship, like, it was crazy. Like, the director had already like advocated for me because, because I hadn't made the final cut for the 10 people of the scholarship. But somehow my application got lost in the mix and it was marked wrong. And so like I had gotten a rejection letter, but then like a month or two later after my graduation of, of high school, I got a phone call that like, position is yours somebody else declined it and you were the next person for the scholarship like this is for you and i Mm. remember her telling me like god like god has made a way for you to come here like there's a reason why you're coming here Mm. and she's like i advocated for you i fought for you i prayed for you and that miracle happened i graduated high school and i had already signed to go to that college anyways, without any scholarship. I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was gonna pay that. I had rejected two full scholarships at this point <laughs> because I felt it in my heart that this was the college that I needed to go to. Mm-hmm. And and so I didn't know how I was gonna pay it. My parents were so upset with me because I had rejected two full scholarships for a school that was not giving me any money for college. And then when suddenly, like a few months later, you know, I get the phone call and it all works out somehow. So like back to that time, like I was just in so much distress. I didn't Mm -hmm. know who to turn to. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to admit that I had poor grades. I didn't want to admit that I had basically failed. And so before they could fail me, I ran Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I was, I think I was trying to handle the situation. And I thought I was coping well. I didn't know what was going on internally. Like, I really didn't know because my whole life, you know, my parents and my culture and where I come from, like, they don't believe in therapy. Like, for us, it's like, oh, you're going to go see a therapist? Why do you need a therapist? Like, you have God. Like, God can heal everything that you Mm -hmm. have. And, And I'm not saying that's not true. But.
1: They barely believe in mental health. Yeah, it's like anything,
0: illness. anything related to mental health, or even with emotions, really. Like my whole yeah. life, my whole childhood, I was told to like, not, not feel my emotions and to just like stop crying. Don't do that. Like, don't frown. You need to smile. Like mm-hmm. I, I grew up with that, and I think the intention behind it was probably good, but. Or maybe not (laughs) but I definitely like had already faced like all this type of stuff so like when I talked to my counselor and I was told that I well I was diagnosed with um, severe depression I I remember leaving that therapy session and being so angry I was walking around in my parents yard and I just started crying I was like no no, I'm not. I am not depressed. This no, this is stupid. Like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he doesn't even know me. And I'm like so angry and so frustrated. And then it's like I want to tell my parents. And then I I know that I need more counseling, and that I need to figure out what's going on before January comes around because time is ticking and I need to get my crap together to go back to school and smile through it all and just push through Mm -hmm. like I've always done my whole life Mm -hmm. and um I just I was so angry because it was just like I already could hear my parents saying that depression isn't real like you just need to pray like you just need to pray and and god will heal you from that or like you need to stop allowing the devil to control your thoughts and Mm -hmm. this and that but like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i didn't i couldn't see it then but like big picture i'm i start to think about it and i'm like how was i supposed to cope when nobody taught me how and how was i supposed to speak up for myself and for for my struggles If nobody had taught me to do that, when my whole life I was conditioned to to, you know, a mal tiempo, buena cara, Mm -hmm. you know, like, no matter what time it is, you gotta just show up, smile, like do the thing, you know, you don't cry, especially not in front of people Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like get a room, (laughs) you know, it was always just like pushing all of these emotions away. So. After that I began like an off on and off journey with um, with my mental health and so if you've been to therapy before you know that the recommendation is always to start with therapy you know mm-hmm. you do you do different kinds of therapy and um, and whatnot and I remember the when the conversation was brought up of would you um would you be open to to um trying medication for your depression? And I remember being so offended. I was like, no, I don't believe in that." Mm. And I was so scared. and And thankfully, this counselor that I was talking to, he he's like I said, he was from the college. He was a Christian man. So, like, I think he understood maybe where my Mm. hesitancy was because he immediately asked me, like, after this, he was like, let me ask you something. He's like, have you ever taken Tylenol? And I said, yes. And he's like, have you ever taken Advil? I was like, yes. Have you ever taken Pepto-Bismol? I said, yes. And he's like, those are the things that are treating something that we can't see. But only you can feel. Is that correct? And I was like, yeah. Like most of it is internal. Mm. And he explained to me why. Why do you think getting medication to treat the internal pain, or the internal turmoil, is is bad? Why is it negative to you? And I was like, well, because like my mom says and. These people say and at church and actually at church, some a few people had said it later on in my life, but like that, like that's just something that you have to pray away. And Mm -hmm. like if you believed enough, God would take it away. Mm -hmm. So then it would always leave me with the question, well, if I did take medication, then that just means that I'm not believing in God enough. Mm -hmm. And where's my faith? Mm -hmm. And have I prayed enough or what did I do wrong to deserve this? Like, Mm -hmm. what is God punishing me for? that was the mindset.
1: Yeah.
0: And I look back at that conversation and that mindset that I was in and I just had all of these like walls built around me and I had my my mindset was just so locked in what I knew in the religion in in the culture that I grew up in that there was so much fear to even consider something like that. And so um, I didn't consider it then, but I was like, nope, I'm not going to go through with the medication. I went on denying that even when I was um, my first time doing an inpatient, um, I was in different therapy sessions all day. And every time we would do like the, you know, like the, the tests or anything like that to see like how I was doing emotionally. What am I thinking about? Like every time I'd go through those sessions to get an update on where I was, I just felt like every time I was getting worse and I still like, they would say like, what if we tried medication? And I said, no, no. And they're like, okay, well we need to include exercise and what you're eating Mm -hmm. and your sleeping schedule. Like you need to regulate your sleep. And at that time my sleeping schedule was just so bad. I would go, days without sleeping just watching the sunrise sunset from my bed or there it would just be days of me sleeping just sleeping not eating anything just waking up to go to the bathroom and then going back to my bed and it was just like a weird cycle so Mm -hmm. i just didn't have anything so i remember them telling me that and so when i ended that first inpatient um thing at the hospital um Oh, and the reason why I got there was because in one of my sessions with my therapist, <laughs> um, they he was like, okay, you need to check yourself into, into um, the hospital or I have to send an ambulance for you. And I was like, what? Like, why? And they're like, because everything that you're telling me puts you at very high risk. And I just was getting so angry and he was like, he was like, Surely, like, you need help, and that's okay. And I remember crying and crying and saying, like, no, like, no, like, and just thinking, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, Like, do I just not believe enough? Like, do I – like, am I not praying hard enough? Like, am I praying for the wrong thing? Or, like, mm. or is this just, like, my hell on earth because I've been such a bad person? I've been, mm. like, the worst sinner, and this is just mm. what I deserve you know, so after finishing that inpatient, I tried to convince myself that I was fine. And I started doing some exercise, like I, and then I started trying to eat my eating habits and things still weren't working out. I was trying to go outside more. I was trying to hang out with people more and trying to do all the right things. And I still wasn't getting it. And it wasn't until like, months later that i find i i went on to have a different therapist and a psychologist and um you know the talk was always there about medication but i don't think it was until like maybe maybe yeah maybe the year after that that i finally decided okay you know what let's try medication Mm. like let's try it and i was like but like make it the lowest dose i don't want to get addicted. (laughs) <laughs> which of these things are, like, non-addictive. Some of them mm-hmm. are, but not the stuff that I was being put on. So, so we started with the antidepressant, slowly increasing it over the next few months. And I remember I got to a place where I felt, like, good. And I remember at work, like, I was just, like, feeling so great. I, like, had gone back to work, um, like, in this retail place, and I still hadn't gone back to school. I was telling myself, okay, I'll go back when I'm ready Because I'm not ready right now. And so then at some point, I started feeling so, quote unquote, great that summer that I was like, oh, yeah, like, screw this medication. I'm fine now. Nope. (laughs) That was such a bad mistake. Mm -hmm. I ended up going, like, three weeks without the medication. And then I got really sick. Like, I was, like, getting so nauseous. I was jittery, like. I was like, my emotions were, oh my gosh, it was horrible. I had to leave work a few times. This was like all leading up to our wedding. And when I went back to see my doctor and then my therapist and my psychologist, they all told me, um, they were like, oh, like what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm a mess right now, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just not happy anymore. And like, what did I do wrong? Like, I was so happy. And then they're like, are you taking your medication every day? I was like, no, I stopped taking it three weeks ago because I was feeling great. And then she was like, you're not you're not supposed to stop it. Mm -hmm. Like it's working. You have to let it work. And I was like, no, but I I think I'm fine. And it was still a fight. I still had this fight in my head. Mm -hmm. And so months after that, you know, I started getting I became more open to it because I started seeing the good effects of it. I suddenly was able to, like, find the motivation to shower. Mm -hmm. Or, like, clean my room, walk my dog, Mm -hmm. maybe eat something here and there, like, maybe do better with, like, the socializing. I wouldn't feel as exhausted or drained every day from doing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then slowly we started implementing um, even some stuff to help me sleep because um, there's something uh, specific medication that helps me sleep through the night um, because I was having night terrors um, because I was also diagnosed with PTSD. So I couldn't sleep and I was too scared to sleep. So, and when I did, it was just like, yeah. So I finally was put on that trying to help me regulate my sleep and incorporated with all of this. Obviously I was told to do like, to exercise frequently and eat well and sleep well and all of this. So it's been trial and error. I've tried a lot of different things. And, um, and now, what, like, maybe almost three years in Mm -hmm. two years in of that, I finally think I'm in a place where I where I, I, I can acknowledge the benefits of doing medication. And like I said, if you've done therapy before, you know that medication is not the first route that is the very last the last like thing that you that they like the last what is that called resort the last resort yeah medication is all the therapists that I've talked to and psychologists they've told and my doctor have told me like medication is the last thing the last resort that we'll try um you know and so at that point I was like I've really made it to the yeah. end. Like I have no choice. <laughs> I've tried everything. Um, so yeah, all that to say, like years, a few years later, like again, it's been trial and error. I've definitely have stopped taking them for some time, and um, you know, the the point is for to stabilize you to a place. So it slowly you can get weaned off of it mm-hmm. when you're in a stable place enough to continue the work on your own. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a variety of different things. And it took my parents a while to acknowledge or to accept that. My dad was definitely more accepting of it when I first opened up to him about medication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he told me the most encouraging thing. He was like, sweetheart, like, do, do everything that you need to do to get better. I think for me, that was very comforting hearing it, one, from my dad um, because of the culture that we come from, and then secondly, because he put in that aspect of like where I was uh, like always ashamed about it because of the Christianity part, you know, not having enough faith, not praying enough or all of that. So knowing or kind of hearing it from my own dad that God could use this in my journey of healing and getting to a stable place it made me feel a lot more comfortable so you know fast forward to now where I am like I am still on medication and I've definitely been doing a lot better I think even you are a witness to seeing how far I've come yeah because when we first got married like I said I had just like left inpatient like a few months prior to that so um Yeah, and we've had some, you've seen me in my probably, like, worst times, like, when it comes to my mental health, like, Mm -hmm. um, you've been there, like, you've been the person to take care of me, you're the person to firsthand, like, see all of it, how I was negatively coping and teaching me how to cope and heal in the right way. So it took a lot of trial and error. It was very strenuous for you, I think, and, I mean, for me as well, because I just felt like, man, I'm just this whole mess, and this guy has to, like, clean it up for me, but you never you never made me feel that way. It was just, like, the internal, like, I guess, like, shame and guilt of, like, man, I'm so messed up, and, like, I'm with this person, and he's, like, totally fine, and, like, he has to see me like this, like, having mental breakdowns, like, not eating, like, just having like going through the worst of it. Like there were some really, really scary times. There's been a lot of things. I mean, I still don't have it all down. I don't think I'm in the best place yet, but I can say that I'm proud of how far I've come. And for me, um, going to therapy, I didn't know that that was an option for me. A long time ago, I, I did not use the resources in front of me and nor did i seek the help for it and it took me getting to the worst place of my life where i had no choice but Mm -hmm. to try something before i did something crazy Mm -hmm. and it's been trial and error up and down and like the people closest to me can can testify to that i mean one of my closest friends like at some point like i wasn't answering for days on the phone No text, no nothing. I had, like, disappeared off, like, the face of the earth when it came to, like, social media, too. And um, she came and looked for me at my house. She went up to my parents and was was like, where's Shirley? And they're like, she's upstairs in her room. And she walked in and there's, like, a mess of, like, clothes, like, rotten food. Like, Mm -hmm. my bed sheets haven't been washed in forever. I literally haven't, like, taken a shower brushed my teeth. I was a mess. Like, my eyes are puffy. My skin was probably pale (laughs) and I'm just laying in bed and I hear somebody walk into my room and then it's, it's her. And she says, Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) And she's just such like a funny, a funny person. Like she's so lighthearted that I think she couldn't, she like, when she saw me there, she was just absolutely shocked. And instead of judging me or running away, Or saying like what's wrong with you she just starts picking up my room and starts taking all this dirty laundry and all this dirty food and this mess of a room that probably smells disgusting and she's seeing me there like her best friend like just literally just (laughs) all messed up on her bed and she's like hey babe like when was the last time you like took a shower like you want to go take a shower like we can go get you like some new bath products like this and that and she's like here let me brush your hair she like starts picking up all the trash and like I'll never forget that day Hmm. you know at that point in time like nobody had cared enough to come check on me but she knew something was wrong because I wasn't talking and I just had disappeared but i'll never forget that you know and that for me made a big difference because it was like wow somebody cares enough that they're willing to just pick up my whole mess and help me help me up and i'm so grateful for her and if she's listening to this she knows who she is <laughs> um and she's been an amazing friend so also to say i've definitely gone through it i've gone through different types of methods. I've mentioned this before, but I've also resorted to alcohol and partying and smoking weed and just doing anything to numb the pain. And then I've done everything to stay in the pain as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like healing and coping have been such a hard thing for me to figure out. Like, but some of these things can be so simple But so life changing. And for me, it was telling somebody, telling a friend where I was at and having that person constantly check in on me. It's like one of my other friends. um, She's also one of my best friends. Like, we don't see each other often, but she's always checking up on me. She Mm -hmm. will always text me. If I don't text her back, she will text me again. And she's, or she'll call me, or she'll FaceTime me. She'll like make such a great effort Mm -hmm. to reach me. Even if I like don't answer, even if I leave her on red, she's like, I get it. You know, she's like, how are you doing? Like, like, what can I do? Like, she's come to my house before, like, just bringing all of my favorite snacks and just sitting there with me, watching me cry. And like, again, just sharing some of those like deep things with people that I've trusted, that I've learned to trust again. Like has made all the difference going to therapy, getting medication, getting on some sort of like health plan, like what to do to improve my health has helped me a lot. It's taken a long time for sure, but I think I'm finally getting to a place where I am seeing the benefits of sticking through it. And then I've also seen seen you go through your own journey too of healing with your own things that you've dealt with in life, mm-hmm. and um, when it comes to marriage, like feels like your li- your lives are just one, yeah. And and you know each other so well, so seeing the change in somebody else happen, even though you, maybe you might not be seeing that change, like that person is seeing you, and like still encouraging you, still there every step of the way, and you've been there for me and during this time too especially like since the beginning of the year i've seen like a complete change in you and i want you to talk a little bit about like your own healing journey and like some of the ways that you've you've managed to like cope with mm-hmm. all of these emotions and just in general like what what have you changed to change your life
1: mm-hmm. yeah Wow. So there is definitely a lot of details that go into this story. You know, I want to say, though, that I'm not I am not in the place where I want to be, you know, but I am in a much, much better place where I once was. Um, I remember mentioning in my um, in the other podcast that I was I became a very angry, very explosive person. Um, my patience was literally at zero. Um my energy levels were so, like, I would get, you know, I would get frustrated very quickly. I wouldn't want to do, like, menial tasks. Um, I, I remember, you know, I think one of my coping ways was my anger. You know, that was one of the ways that I somehow was trying to, to you know, release some of the tension, release some of the stress or the anxiety, um, release some of the bitterness that that I was carrying, Um, you know, for a while I felt like I was just like seriously bogged down about everything. And I wouldn't say that I'm an emotional person. I do feel my emotions very, very deeply, but my logic and my, you know, my way of thinking or maybe just my personality, um, you know, I think my mind overrules my emotions most of the time. Before I used to be able to have anger but still, you know, kind of like funnel it in a in a wise way where I wouldn't explode or I wouldn't hurt anybody. But because of I guess the the overwhelming amount of anger that I had, I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, that was one of the ways that I coped. I think to be very vulnerable, I think another way that I coped was through pornography. It was, you know, like the, the pleasure that I would get from that, you know, at least gave me some rush of dopamine, you know? And at this point, I was not connected to the people that I was at, at church. So I didn't have any any guidance. I really was on, a, on my own. Um, it got to a point that I was deeply hurting you because of my anger and my watching pornography, you know? And I felt like that was, I felt like that was almost like a turning point because because i had realized that i had done so much damage to you through my Mm -hmm. through my through my own hurt and through my um through my behavior i always knew that the idea behind like our marriage is like if i'm successful you're successful Mm -hmm. if i fail you fail if you fail i fail you know like always it's vice versa like the your victory is my victory um you know and and so when i started to you know like really reinforce that i think that's when i started to like try to like change my attitudes and change my beliefs mm-hmm. but i still felt like i still didn't have enough knowledge about how to manage my anger or how to manage my uh, how to manage my emotions or how to look at uh, how to go about you know the situation that i would find myself in um But one of the things that helped me out a lot was was listening to sermons. I think one, it changed the way that I think about suffering. I would blame myself because of what happened. I felt like, you know, it was just because of my sin that that all of this blew up and it didn't have to. You know, like if I had just kept it together, if I just didn't sin, then this would not have happened. And I wouldn't have, you know, anything to blame myself for. I felt like I had to change my belief of my suffering. I had to change my um, my belief about anger, and I also had to change the belief about myself. Originally, I would think that like, oh, I'm suffering, and all of these bad things are happening to me, you know, because God is punishing me for my sin. God is mm. God is disapproving yeah. of of my of what I'm doing, and so I would blame myself for all the bad stuff that happened. But then. Listening to these sermons by, by Tim Keller made me change my mind about suffering. Suffering comes to us all in many different ways. And it's not to say that God is punishing you. But um, matter of fact, when you look at the Bible and you start seeing seeing the people who suffered the most in, in, in the Bible were the people who were the most righteous. Right? Like the people who were the most... Um, I guess regarded as the best examples of Christians, right? Like Job mm-hmm. suffered immensely in his in his life, and he was doing everything right. You right. know, yeah. Job was doing everything right, and still a lot of suffering came to him. And I would always have trouble understanding why that is. You know, like why would God even do this? But it's because of his righteousness that he suffers. Same right. thing with Jesus. Like Jesus lived the perfect life, and he's the one who suffered the most. You know. He's, he was nailed to a cross being holy, mm-hmm. you know, followed God and obeyed God the Father down to the last, down to the very last moments. And he was crushed for it. Mm-hmm. He suffered for it. And one of the things that helped me out was that, was realizing that Christ took the biggest furnace for me. And that allowed me to go through my small furnaces of suffering. You know, that allowed that allowed me to go through my through my you know my 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 little suffering situations compared to the cross that he had to endure, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that helped me. That helped me through my suffering. That helped me change my mind about my suffering. You know, where I wasn't blaming myself, but instead I was looking at the fact that Jesus suffered for me. And not only that, he suffers with me. You know, that was one. I think another thing was my anger. I had to change my belief about my anger. The way that that happened was also through a sermon that I heard um, where he where Tim Keller was explaining that your anger is destructive Mm -hmm. and you're always attacking something or defending something with your anger. And when you start pointing your anger towards the right thing, that's when you can start healing from it. You know, if you, like, for example, like if I come home and, you know, I want to watch a basketball game or something, and then you say like, oh, we have to buy food for the dogs. And if I get angry, it's because I'm trying to defend my comfort. You know, I'm trying to defend the comfort that I have by watching the game and not doing anything, just, you know, sitting there. Um, and, And if I get angry, it's, I'm pointing that anger towards, the, the task that I have to do, you know, mm-hmm. then if I start pointing my anger towards, um, you know, if I realize that, and I point my anger towards something else, and I realize, like, am I really angry because of my discomfort? Like, that's not worth being angry over. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's, uh, that was one of the ways that I coped with that. I think I also had to realize, you, you know, like, coming from like a traditional church, like, we weren't really taught that anger, like, or how we should cope with our anger as a Christian, as Christians, right? Like, we just know that we get angry, and it's okay to be angry, but um, but you shouldn't, like, you should almost like suppress it, you know, like, be angry, but... But just don't sin. Just keep it, keep it at bay, you know. Just kind of suppress it enough so that you're not exploding and you're not spilling all over the place, you know. The Bible says that God is angry at the wickedness of men all the time. God is constantly angry. And the reason why he's constantly angry is because he's constantly loving. And you can't have one without the other. If you love deeply, you get angry deeply, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how God is with our sin. He's he loves us so much that he's so angry at sin that that something like the crucifixion had to happen. When I started learning that, that it was okay to feel my anger should be angry at the things that, that, that hurt
0: mm-hmm.
1: my relationship with God or my relationship with you or seeing something in you that is hurting you. Like those are the things that I should be angry at instead of right. people or instead of at a, at an institution, you know, or somebody that hurt me. I think the third, what was the third thing that I mentioned? The belief in myself. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a failure because I didn't have it together. The belief in myself was like, you know, I, I, I'm i not good enough. I wasn't good enough to be, to be at that church anyways. I'm not good enough now as a husband or as a man in general. I've hurt my wife in more ways than I can explain. Um, I've hurt myself in more ways than I can explain. I realized that I could not. You know, make my body do something. Um, if my mind was not running towards that in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. it would just be dragging myself through, through, through tasks and dra- dragging myself through through the emotions instead of really controlling my mind, instead of really controlling my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of the things that that helped. You know, I think also talking just the few sessions that I did have, just talking about it with zero biased from the other side. Like, and the other person just literally just trying to care for me in the best way possible. I think that was some sort of relief as well. Another one of the big things that helped me was learning about self-control, like discipline. Another thing that I learned was discipline, how to be disciplined, you know, how to have self-control. And I think that this is this is a very big topic, you know, to talk about. And it's difficult to learn the nuances between person to person, Um, When it comes to discipline, do you see some people are extremely disciplined for some reason? You know, they're able to convince themselves every morning to like, you know, just... Put on your shoes and go face the world, you know, and they're able to do that so so successfully. And it's like, what's the difference between people like that and then somebody who has zero discipline and zero motivation to do nothing, you know? And one of the things that I was learning through Joe Rogan was the was discipline, you know, that even people who find themselves in extremely successful situations where they've needed to carry on an insane amount of discipline, uh, you know, even they struggle you know, probably every morning to, to put their shoes on and to go face the world, you know, they have to convince themselves um, as well, you know, they have to also like, convince their inner flesh of to, you know, to go towards the discomfort. So I started waking up in the mornings and at first it was like more of a drag. I started, you know, trying to get to just trying to get enough motivation to head to work and to to do all these things. But, Starting to like really take in the like the message of discipline, the message of like love in my life and the message of self-control and the fitness and the health, you know, like my, my mind. Um, I started working out in the mornings and I started doing like I started doing hard workouts in the mornings, you know, mm-hmm. um, I started uh, playing basketball, which was a hobby that, you know, I picked up last summer. Uh, I'm still trash at basketball, but at least it's a way that I can, like, you know, get get a sweat on where my focus is 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 needed there at all times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of the ways that that I also um, that I also cope started to cope, right? It's been since October that I've been doing this, and I started taking cold showers. Mm-hmm. The cold showers are are torturous, but when you're when you start realizing that it's your choice to inflict that kind of pain you know and <laughs> and excruciating pain right while working out or or while feeling exhausted while doing cardio or wanting to run away from the cold water like that sort of uh, me putting myself through that suffering made everything else so much easier i've already killed myself in the gym you know like it's not like 60 hours of you know a menial task is going to kill me right um and so yeah so every day i still have to convince myself i have to tell myself like what, what do you love more you know like do you love your discomfort or your comfort more or do you love do you love your wife more and i have to tell myself every single day like basically don't be a bitch like stop you know just step into what you need to do and stop stop playing games just you know realize that um, that there is a greater love that is awaiting you and there's a greater love in your heart for to do what's right and to do the do what is needed you know mm-hmm. um and i'm still i still carry on with the cold showers and the gym and the basketball um and i feel so much more motivated i feel so much i have much more energy than i once did Menial tasks don't feel like tasks anymore. They're just, you know, other things that need to be done. My mood has increased. My stress levels and my anxiety levels have decreased by, you know, a long shot. I think, um, I think one of the, um, I think a study showed that, um, your dopamine levels rise by two hundred percent when you take a cold shower or when you take a cold bath. Really? Yeah. And so I started seeing I started seeing the benefit in that. And your skin looks better, your hair looks better, you know, physically. You you lose body fat when you take a cold when you, when you take showers with cold mm-hmm. water. You uh, in, in general, there's it's better for your bones, it's better for your muscles, it's it's good for you, it's great for you to take cold showers. I I, I promise anybody, you know, that if you just take a cold shower every morning for a week you'll see the difference in your mood you'll see the difference in your um in uh, your energy you know it's mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing it's, it's it's medicine essentially for you it's literally like a sort of medicine that it's available for you at all times you know i think it should, it should be taken advantage of uh, i also find that uh talking to people is very important i find that like you know being having close relationships um people that you can trust um and people that you're able to talk to Uh, i think that's also very important in the process of healing um you know i think um being transparent with people and your failure um, and your lack of discipline and um and your desires you know i think that's also important to share with people and and um for you to be able to find healing through them you know Mm -hmm. um uh, like I said, in the beginning, I'm not in the place where I want to be. There's a lot of things that I still want to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm working my way towards those things, um, you know, and. And. Yeah, I mean, it's a long it's a long journey. It's taken a long time for me to get to where I am now, um, taken a lot of decisions. It has taken a lot of discipline and a lot of convincing myself um that this is um um that this is what I what I should be doing, you know, for mm-hmm. the betterment of my of myself and of my marriage and of you, the betterment of my relationship with, with God and the betterment for my relationship with people. And that that's that's been my my journey. I don't play as much video games as I <laughs> as i once did i literally picked up the controller yesterday for the first time in like two months you know it's i feel like i'm not wasting my time anymore (laughs) like Mm -hmm. menial tasks or 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 you know just things that really don't matter Mm -hmm. you know video games are fun but it's it doesn't matter and then uh, i can't say anything bad about being healthy like physically healthy like when and when you're telling, when you're constantly telling your mind, like, do the hard things, do, the, do the, the difficult things, do the things that discomfort you, like, it's so good for you, you know, to feel that, like, that sort of, um, like, that difficulty that you're putting yourself through. And mm-hmm. then coming out the other side, feeling, feeling, you know, like you accomplished something. By the time it's noon, I've already, like, tortured myself. More than most people have in their whole day. So <laughs> I you know, like I've
0: well, I've heard it this way that um you're choosing to do the hardest thing at the beginning of your day so everything else just doesn't seem as hard.
1: yeah, exactly exactly. that's that's basically what it is, you know,
0: yeah, and I'll just say, like since I want to say like January, over the last few months, like I've seen like in, an insane like change okay i'm not saying that my husband was never disciplined
1: he's more of like So there was a point that i was not disciplined
0: yeah he was he's more of like he was more of a like go with the flow like easygoing like
1: avoid struggle avoid discomfort
0: right right lately the change has been so crazy like i've been like so impressed that he's been going to the gym every morning. And not only that, but he'll take a cold shower um, in lieu of a cold plunge because we don't have like I
1: a have tub outside. Plunge,
0: but yeah. Yeah. But we haven't, we don't have a tub outside. We want to get one for our balcony, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. So, and then, and then not only that, so since the moment that I stopped working, which was like basically, it was like Halloween, I think. So, From November to now. Like at first I saw how much like of a struggle it was for him to get up early. We would snooze the alarm, both of us snooze the alarm, or I just would elbow him, be like, Get your phone, like, come on, get up. Like this is this alarm isn't for me. I wasn't working, so I was sleeping in every day. And I would see this guy like get up. And over time, like I started seeing that he began to like wake up exactly at a certain time and there was no, no snoozing in between. And then he would start going to the gym and then he would start taking his cold shower. And by the time that like he came back, I would still be sleeping He'd be like, have you walked the dogs? I'm like, uh, what? And then he would walk the dogs for me too. And sometimes he'd make breakfast for me and then he'd go to work. And I was just amazed by that because like, I was so good in my bed just here and he would bring me like my breakfast to my bed and I'd just be getting like the full on princess treatment. (laughs) No shame. Like there'd be times where he'd come home and like, I literally like have not even moved a finger. I've just been chilling on the couch, watching TV or like playing with my dogs or doing some arts and crafts, like (laughs) just doing my silly little girl things. And he was just starting to become like so disciplined and creating a regimen for himself. Like his motivation increased over time. I saw that his like emotional like response and like just overall well-being completely changed. Like, like I don't think I've seen this man angry since, (laughs) but like truly like I, and then at some point, you even went as far that now like you wake up and you take a cold shower immediately, then yeah. go to the gym, then come back and take another cold shower, get ready, walk our dogs, feed them, do whatever you have to do. And sometimes you like drop off like food or a snack for me, like while you're on your way to work and I'm mm-hmm. already at work. And I'm always like so impressed by that. Cause I'm like, man, if I didn't have like a structured, like nine to five, like I and if I had to if I went to work by choice like he does like he can choose his hours whatever I'm like I don't think I would get up (laughs) like like honestly like all the time that I had during during those two months I started so many projects left many on project I left a lot of projects unfinished Yeah, and I had like all the time in the world I went to the gym a little bit but like it was just so hard for me. So for me, seeing my husband doing all of that, and then seeing how much progress he made. Okay. One thing about David, he has a black hole for his stomach. Okay. But the other thing is like, he can go to the gym like a few times and like, his body will just like react like within the first few days. And He's usually the smallest size in, like, shirts. He's he's um, a pretty slim guy. So he went from, like, a, like a size small to a size medium. Now his, like, shirts that are size small just don't fit him because –
1: It's like little kids' shirts. Yeah, because right? his
0: arms have just bulked up so much. And he's so lean again. And he can still eat, like, an absolute monster. And he's so fit. And, and to, like, and just, like, the physical part – like, that's, like, crazy for me to see. But then on top of that, um, see so you become, like, so dedicated to learning a sport that you've never played before. Hmm. Every single morning. That's the other thing I didn't mention. After the gym, before his second cold shower, he goes to the basketball court and trains for a while. And, like, to after me. After
1: running about two miles. Oh, yeah, after running. Mile.
0: Yeah, so he does. He has a whole regimen. Okay. And he follows a skincare routine. Like this man has it down right now. (laughs) And like, I am not like that right now. (laughs) I wake up five minutes before I have to leave to work and guaranteed I will be five minutes late to work every morning. So we're very different in that aspect. But I think the most amazing aspect of all of this, of like just the dedication of doing the hard things first in the morning for you has not only helped you cope and heal like physically but also emotionally
1: yeah
0: i think your composure has like changed so much like i think because you have the physical things like down in your discipline you're also able that that discipline translate in, yeah. into other other forms I and also, i've benefited from it so much yeah
1: I also, I mean, that was one of the big reasons also that that I felt the need to like really step up because, because I knew that my well-being would have, would also translate to your well-being. You know, you knowing that there's, that there's a man that you can confide in and that you can trust will take care of you that will, you know, like, you know, in turn, um, Help your well-being, you know, and I also knew that there was a weight that I needed to carry Mm -hmm. because, you know, emotionally, like you just couldn't, you know, so it was it was tough for you to get to that spot. So I needed to fill in the gap. And that's that's essentially what I did. Another one of the big motivators that I had was was hearing Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist. Um, He talks a lot about responsibility in young men in young men um he teaches that that's that's a very important part of society and you know we don't get that enough right we don't get that enough you know Mm -hmm. for men to be taught responsibility and for them to be the the head of a household and for them to be the the provider and protector so i learned a lot of responsibility through him he said that around 25 years old he started becoming very disciplined and changing his life and so then i also was inspired by that Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned how to cope with anxiety about finances. I also learned how to cope with anxiety about um, work. Like I said, I'm not, I don't think, I'm not in the most amazing spot. I would, you know, I, I would rather, well, I wouldn't say I would rather. I'm, I'm very comfortable with where I am now. And I, I, I'm, I'm fine with saying that I'm satisfied with what, with where I am now. I'm not overworked, and I'm not underworked. I feel like i'm I have a safe balance now i I want to say though that it's not one day to the other yeah, that discipline happens. Months. you know it's it has been essentially years. um months of listening to people talk about the benefits of like working out and the cold showers and and the discipline, you know, and it's also been. Uh, months of convincing myself you know my mind like getting it into my mind that this is the way to go that this is beneficial for you and for your marriage Um, and then one day I did put that into action and I saw the benefit of how much how much it affected me and how much it's affected my, my my marriage and my emotional stability my mental stability I read now you know, like I never, <laughs> I would, I'd never read before. You Wait, know, like... and actually
0: that's true. I would always read more books and he just, I would buy him books all the time. We just never read them. Going back to this whole thing, right? So I didn't mention this before too, but a lot of the things that I learned in therapy and being inpatient a few times in the hospital was that um, finding creative outlets were very helpful very soothing to me, especially in moments of a lot of anxiety. Um, I have so many coloring books because David found that I really enjoyed them and it really calmed me down, like helped me concentrate on something. and, And then I also learned that going out for walks intentionally, leaving my phone behind, like at home, helps me so much Mm. the less I'm on my phone like the better I feel Mm -hmm. and I think that's most people but we don't like to accept that so something that I've like tried doing over like the last few months maybe the last year is like I'll like hide my phone from myself like I'll hide it in like my vanity in my closet or I'll hide it in the desk or like in the kitchen somewhere and um I'll, like, make myself go outside, no electronics, no nothing, and just, like, breathe the air, like, be aware of my surroundings, like, just focus. Yoga has helped me so much, too. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but so much of, like, the internal stress feels released when I'm, like, I don't know if it's, like, actual physical tension or what it is, but I think yoga has helped me so much, stretching, all of that. Um, you've been doing that too every night you you mm-hmm. do like an extensive little stretch routine before yeah. you go to bed. yeah, so for David, exercise and um, and cold plunges and dedicating his time to learn something physical, but then also read things and um, has been so helpful for him. I've done a lot of reading as well. and something, that I've started doing more recently. This has been introduced for me, like, since the beginning of therapy, but I never really thought about meditation or, like, breath work or anything like that. I've learned so much doing meditation. I do a lot of it on my own, sometimes at work when I'm really overwhelmed or I'm, like, really stressed out. And I, I will go to um, um, one of the apps I have, Allo, and um, I'll, like, do a guided meditation. and they like we'll go through a set of different like breath work routines and to calm like your mind down, to calm mm-hmm. your heart rate down. And it helps so much. And actually, we have a book that we've we've done a few of these like breath work, um, like uh, routines for specific things. Like I remember there was one that we did. Do you remember we did a breath work for grief? Mm-hmm. And um, And actually like what happened after that? Like whoa, like it was like a release of like so much emotion, but like in a relieving way, you know what I mean yeah. and then we've I've also we've also done the one um a lot for for closeness for intimacy mm-hmm. and it's so hard it seems sounds kind of awkward because it is awkward at first But you sit in front of your partner face to face and um and you stare et- into each other's eyes for a certain amount of minutes. And it, the first few times we did it, it was just so hard because it was just lots of giggles and we couldn't take it seriously. And then we started talking about like the emotions that were brought up when and doing that and like getting our breath to, you know, like inhale and exhale at the same time and talking about what that made us feel. And at first it was uncomfortable. But then it was like, why does that make you uncomfortable and like Mm. the closeness Mm -hmm. and all of that? So like I've learned different different ways to cope. So meditation, honestly, I didn't believe in it, but now I really do. It definitely helps me to take some time intentionally apart to just focus on where I am, focus on my breath, um, because it helps me breathe more deeply. I think Mm. I shallow breathe. (laughs) So it gets that oxygen to your brain, you know. Gets yeah. you awake, gets you feeling something. Although the times that I have taken a cold shower after, I feel a sense of so much energy and so much empowerment. Yeah. I feel like I can conquer the world. It feels
1: amazing. And I feel
0: like my brain is awake.
1: Yeah, like if you just get yourself through the discomfort, you know, like you'll see so much benefit in it. And I obviously people cope in different in different ways, but I cannot deny that like your body should not be still for most of the day you know your body needs exercise your body needs movement (laughs) like you need to get your heart rate up you know you need to like you know put your muscles to work for anyone out there struggling you know do a little bit of exercise walk a little bit you know and do like Mm -hmm. five push-ups a day if that's where you're starting or find
0: different ways to I guess, like, get your brain going. So, yeah. like, if that's reading a book, something I've done is, like, read in Spanish. Yeah. i you've even made an effort to, like, watch and listen Spanish things. Yeah. Just so I can, like, get my mind in a different mindset. Yeah. Find a coloring book. Mm-hmm. Find something that brings you joy and make it a practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like I said, try, try taking a cold shower, like, seven days. Honestly, For seven try days. it. For, for 30 seconds just be in the cold water for 30 seconds and you'll see that the change in your in your mood the change in your energy and your motivation and like you'll see a big change in yourself mm-hmm, I, agree. I, I mean it's a long journey for you to be able to f- feel like you know you're stable in your emotions and in your in, in your mind um but it's it's every day it's moment by moment that you're deciding that like there's a higher purpose that you're living for
0: we definitely talked about a lot of different ways that we've coped I think we've gone through some of the negative ones and these are some of the positive ones but all I can say is that like healing is uncomfortable and it's a journey so don't don't pressure yourself to like like be at a certain place by like tomorrow or by a certain date. Like mm-hmm. you have to realize that like life, like every day is going to be different. There are new challenges every day. There, are, you know, there are new things to learn. And so take it day by day. I think that's one of the things that I've like learned that has helped me the most, it's helped me slow down. Instead of focusing on me getting better and Mm. becoming like the best version of myself or better to start something, like, like, you know, once I'm doing better, I'll go back to school or I'll go Mm. back to work. Like, don't wait for your life to start at a certain date. Mm. Like, I think I struggle with that. I'm very future-minded, so. I'm always thinking of the future, but the point shouldn't be like, I want to be better for this day, this occasion, or for like for the next season of my life to start. Like your life is right now. And what I've learned is tomorrow isn't promised. So today I'm going to do the best that I can. And sometimes the best that that you can looks different every day and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And there will be days that will be hard and days that you'll feel like you can conquer the world and it's you know it's it's a grow growing process so it's not growth isn't linear it's yeah. an up and down thing
1: i think yeah one of the one of the things i forgot to mention was that i made a list of goals i made a list of several goals like mentally physically emotionally spiritually i made a list of a bunch of them but the purpose of the goals was not essentially to reach them like yes you know like i guess a goal is is for it to be reached but i made it so that so that those goals could only be reached if i had the discipline to reach them you know what Mm. i'm saying so when i made the goals i had in mind like that 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 what was more important to me was not essentially to reach those goals but to to but to learn the discipline that it takes to reach those goals and to establish that in in my my way of living Mm -hmm. i haven't reached any of those goals Mm -hmm. you know now that i think about it i haven't reached any of them at all and i made that list months ago um but but like i said like i'm still i'm still learning the discipline to be able to reach those goals and there's financial goals in there there's like i said spiritual goals and all that stuff and physical goals but I still haven't. I still haven't reached any, but I've. I've been learning the discipline to reach those. Yeah.
0: And so, like, I think it's important to say too, like, for some people, lists like this work, but I think for the majority, it doesn't.
1: Yeah, probably but, not. I haven't. But, li- I haven't looked at it. Right. I haven't. You know, it's not constantly in my mind. It was just something that. Ended
0: right, up. but I think it's also important to like visualize, but don't don't hold it for yourself. Like, don't be so yeah. hard on yourself because. You know, like for me, like, like I'm still not where I want to be, but I should be proud of how far I've come. Mm. And so, if you're in a place like that too, you know, like have grace with yourself, mm. and realize that it's day by day, and as long as you're doing better than yesterday, like, and that you're doing better for yourself, like, and not for anyone else, then that's all that matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it looks like, and um you know we're striving to get better but not for perfection and yeah i i think if you know we're being this vulnerable and sharing all of this stuff it's you know so you guys can also find find different ways to heal and cope in healthy ways and learn from our mistakes and um like you know if you've been thinking about therapy but you've been hesitant about it or nervous or anything like that. Like you can see my experience and truly for me, I, I am so grateful that, that I had that, um, those resources to help me, um, you know, um, alongside other things, a combination of all of those things have allowed me to be here today. So, um, yeah, and if you have any questions about, like, any personal questions, like, feel free to um, to, to email us or...
1: Or if there's a topic that you would want for us to elaborate. Right, then yeah, then we'd closer. love to
0: talk about it. I mean, yeah. everything goes here. I mean, there's no... I yeah. think there's no question that we will turn away. I mean, we're pretty open. Like I said, we've just mentioned, like, so much of our stuff but again it's for that like for that person who might need to hear something like this um and i can tell you like it takes work but
1: and ultimately you're not alone you know there's you're you're really not alone when it Mm -hmm. comes to you know problems if if you're facing something someone has probably faced it before Mm -hmm. Um, yeah
0: heartbreak heartbreak like everyone experiences that like grief sadness anger all of these things like they are not like we like no human is exempt from any of that Mm -hmm. it's just like pain has no discrimination Mm -hmm. it comes to everyone at some point in their lives and maybe maybe it won't hit some people as drastically or affect people in certain ways. But like, if you're that person, like, know that you're not alone. And there are people who have made it out maybe who haven't talked about it. But, um, but we're here and we're willing to talk about it. So give me a second. So if you find yourself in that place, and you want to reach out, I'll leave some resources in the show notes. Um, there's plenty of hotlines that you can call if you don't want to Talk to anybody that you actually know. I've done that before. They even have text texting resources, so you know there's different resources out there. There's always room to talk
1: for our listeners. We always we always hope for the best, and we I mean I don't personally know every every person who listens to this, but you know just because you're a human being, like we love you, mm-hmm. and you're not alone.
0: Yeah, I mean we're at a thousand listeners. So, one out of a thousand, if you're that one person who needed to hear this.
1: Got this. Yeah.
0: And we're here for you. We're rooting for you. There's someone on the other end who is willing to listen. Yeah. So, if you can find that in two strangers like us, like, feel free. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Until next time.
0: Bye. Why don't you say bye like me? Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to No Original Thoughts. If you have any questions, stories that you want to share, or if you want to be on this podcast, feel free to email us at nooriginalthoughtspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail dot com.